Hey, Josh. You found me. Good morning. Sometimes I question whether we should give Terry a microphone sometimes. I just, uh, sorry, brother, I love you. Um, uh, well, good morning. Welcome. <clears throat> so good to have you with us. Uh, I just want to piggyback off of what Terry said just about, uh, let's, uh, let's step up, church. Let's see what we can do to, to make an impact here locally and globally. I love this idea that we can help with this Ukraine relief fund. Goes to support our conference and those like pastors and people on the ground that are actually choosing to stay <coughs> in Ukraine with their people because they love their people. And it's going to go to support them and, and provide uh, vital things that they need uh, during these, these, these dark days. Like we've got pretty good here compared to over there. So, and then of course, locally right here, you know, we can all help with the stuff, the truck event, bring groceries on April 3rd. Let's help, let's help just, let's help those in our community who could use the help. Cool? Cool. Just a little extra hoof there you know, for you. Um, well, hey, it's so good to be with you today. If you're not familiar with me or, or maybe you're newer to Edinburgh, if you are, first of all, thank you so much for being here, uh, checking us out this morning. I do want to say hello to everyone watching online who forgot to set their clocks and they panicked and they're like, just let's just stay home and turn the TV on. I'm just teasing. It's so great to have you with us this morning, tuning in. Uh, but it is great to see you. If you don't know who I am, my name is Joshua, and I'm one of the pastors here. And we've been in a series called The Scarlet Thread. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I have found this so fascinating. Like, I love learning these little tidbits and pieces and pictures about this thread that God set up from the beginning that just weaves throughout the entire story of the Bible. And it's so cool to me. And we're, not, we're just scratching the surface. We're just talking about Genesis, okay? We're just looking at some of these pictures, this thread in Genesis. If we were to do the whole, like, Old Testament, it would take us probably a year or two to get through it all because there's so many cool ways that God has woven together his perfect plan throughout <clears throat> the entire Bible. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the beautiful thing about it, I love this, it all points to Jesus, Everything. It all does. And so I'm super excited to share with you this morning what I discovered as I studied these last couple weeks. Today we're going to look at one of the most famous, one of the most well-known stories found in Genesis. It's the story of Noah's Ark. And even in this worldwide cataclysmic event, we will see multiple pictures of God's plan and how Jesus will be the completion of that plan. Now, I once had a really wise, well, I've had a lot of wise Bible teachers, but I had one guy that made this comment to me. It's always stuck with me, and I think we'll find it helpful today. He, says, he said, listen, Josh, you need to read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. And I thought, that's really, really good advice, because today, right, we're, we're at an advantage today. We have the New Testament. We already know the story of Jesus' death burial, and resurrection. We know the story of his life, but we can use that lens to look back at the Old Testament, especially Genesis. And it gives us this incredible lens for seeing and finding that scarlet thread. And I just love that. Now, when I was a child, <clears throat> I, had, I had this like cute, warm, and fuzzy view of the story of the flood. 
right? We would see pictures of animals all lined up nicely. Noah and his wife with their children, they're all smiling, right? The animals are entering the ark organized. There's, there's no carnivores trying to eat the herbivores, right? It's all just it's so nice. I think my kids even had a, the Noah's Ark little people playset. Did you guys ever? Have, I have a picture of it. Did you guys ever have this? My kids had this. We might even have it down in our kids' area, right? So sweet, so innocent, right? That's a lot of how we picture Noah's Ark from our childhood. And I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of had this picture up until, you know, my middle school years. So for the longest time, that's how I pictured Noah's Ark. Well, when I got to middle school, I was 12, 13 years old, my youth pastor at the time what is it with youth pastors? They're always a little off, right? My youth pastor at the time decided... <laughs> I'm not drinking this. <clears throat> Man, I love youth pastors. They are the best. I, uh, that was uncanny how that timing worked out. <clears throat> um. My youth, thanks, Tyler, appreciate it. My youth pastor at the time, uh, he decided to be a little more realistic with the story of Noah's Ark. I remember we were in a series about heroes of the Old Testament, and my youth pastor discovered, I kid you not, there was going to be an actual thunderstorm the night that youth group was to take place. So he rearranged the schedule, and he decided to do the message on the flood the same night that the rainstorm was going to hit. Now, it worked to his advantage because as our parents were dropping us off at the doors, it was pouring out, okay? So we're all coming in already wet. So we, so we come into the room. You can hear the sound of the rain and the thunder in the background. And then he goes into his message about the flood. And it wasn't the cute, warm, and cuddly story that he told us. He paints for us this terrible, horrible picture of the flood. So he's got the lights off, okay, it's gray, it's drab in the room, we could hear the thunder outside, the rain pattering against the roof and the walls, and he began to explain what it, admit, what it might have been like for Noah and his family as the waters started to rise. Now, I'm paraphrasing, if you have small children, you might want to cover their ears, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of, imagine what it would be like to be sealed up in the smelly ark nervous animals all over the place, the sound of rain pouring down on the wood, on the roof planks, creating this echo throughout the ark. Then he went really dark on us. Imagine the possibility of people pounding and yelling in panic outside the ark as the water came up to their knees and then their waists and then their necks. And the frenzy of people trying to tread water. And then he said, imagine the psychological pain this may have caused Noah's family. Now, I loved my youth pastor at the time. But at this point, my whole image of warm, cute, fuzzy, smiling animals safely nuzzled in the ark with happy Noah was absolutely shattered. Okay, my childhood died that day. Okay. Now, eventually, I came to realize the hard truth that it was tragic. It was terrifying. It was horrific. It was cataclysmic. 
Now, eventually, of course, I would recover from the emotional damage that my youth pastor did to me. That and the 12 months of therapy helped. But <clears throat> the point is, it was terrible. But even within this tragedy, deep within this cataclysmic story, we can still see God at work. And as we read the flood narrative, we're going to find pictures and snapshots of his perfect plan and how Jesus would be the fulfillment of that perfect plan. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I, there are so many things, you guys, that, that we could choose. This could be a whole series in and of itself, but today I just want to highlight four uh, words, four pictures, four snapshots that kind of will show us how Noah's Ark points to the coming of Jesus. There's just powerful stuff, you guys. Four words. Well, the first word that I want to highlight is the word door. Simple. Door. God gave Noah very specific details in building the ark, and he told Noah to build one door on the side of the vessel. Let's look at it in Genesis chapter 6. Here's what God says. He says, Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch inside and outside. This is how you are to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. You are to make a roof, finishing the sides of the ark to within 18 inches of the roof. Here it is. You are to put a door in the side of the ark. Now, as I read that, my first thought was like, well, why only one door? Like, my mind went to, well, okay, let's think about that. It does make sense on the one hand because the less doors you have, the less places you have to spring a leak, right? Makes sense. But I got to be honest, it seems, in my opinion, that it would be a whole lot easier to load the ark with all the food, all the supplies, all the animals, if you had multiple access points, multiple doors, I mean, you guys, this thing was massive, okay? It had three levels on it. It was taller than a modern-day four-story apartment. It was as long as one-and-a-half professional football fields. It had the same storage capacity as about 450 semi-trailers. So if it's so large, why only one door? I don't get that. But I remember, right? That's what the series is about. There's a thread at work here. It goes on, it says this in chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark. There it is. It's time. Enter the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. Now, Noah was not a perfect man, even though it calls him righteous. But the Lord saw his heart and righteousness and provided a way to be saved. God tells them, it's time, get in the ark. And we know how they entered the ark, right? Through that one door. They went in the ark. But here's the beautiful thing. I believe that one door on the ark is symbolic of the work that God would do through Jesus someday. You see, the ark, it was the vessel of salvation for Noah and his family. It was symbolic of a vessel of salvation that would come years later. Can I show you something what Jesus said years later in John chapter 10? Listen to what he says. He says, I am the, what's it say? The door. 
I am the door. But he doesn't stop there. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Coincidence? I don't think so. See, God brought the perfect vessel of salvation to us through his son, Jesus Christ. The very door that leads to our rescue today. That one door into the ark became the portal of salvation for Noah and his family. Jesus, thousands of years later, became what? He became the portal. He became the vessel that we need to enter through today to find safety, salvation, and eternal life. Jesus didn't just make that claim once. He said this again in John 14, just four chapters later. He said, Jesus told them, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except, what's it say? Through. Through me. What do you do when you come to a door? You walk through it. Noah had a choice to make that day. We too, you guys, we're given a choice of whether we will walk through that door of rescue. And just as Noah came into the ark through one door along with his family, there's only one door, you guys, that we too are offered a second chance, a chance at salvation. And it's through Christ alone. He is the one door we must enter through. Well, the second word, the second snapshot, the second picture that I want to share with you today is the word pitch. Pitch. Let's go back to verse 14. Here's what it says. He said, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it with pitch inside and outside. Now, pitch was a covering, right? It was a seal. It was like a tar, okay? It was used to keep the vessel safe. Now, this makes absolute sense to me, right? Duh. You, don't, you want to make the ark as waterproof and as tight as possible against the 40 days of downpouring rain and waters that were rising from the ground. And I, as I just kind of chuckled this week. Have you guys ever seen the, the commercials for Flex Seal? You've seen Flex Seal? Okay, this is the guy who gets in the boat. I have a picture. With the glass bottom that's been sealed with Flex Seal, and then he goes out in the boat. He's such a salesman, right? Have, have you seen these commercials? There's even one where there's like a big tank of water and it's just like gushing water out the side. And he takes a piece of it and he just like slaps it on there and it like stops the water. You ever seen Flex Seal? I'm going to buy some someday. I should have bought some. Anyways, do you ever think that like Noah had the ability to like look down into human history and he saw the moment that Flex Seal wasn't invented and he turned to the Lord and he's like, really? Like, you couldn't have had that before the flood? You know, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, Noah didn't have flex seal. He got pitch. And there's a reason. And I found something absolutely fascinating about this word pitch. You see, this is another one of those incredible, like, just like it gives me goosebumps, snapshots, pictures that points us to Jesus and what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Now listen, the root word, the root word for pitch in the Hebrew language, which is what Genesis was originally written in, the root word for the word pitch can also be translated as atonement. Do you know what the definition of atonement is? It's this. To make up for errors or deficiencies. Can I say that again? 
pitch. The same root word means atonement. And it means to make up for errors or deficiencies. You see, as Noah covered the ark with that pitch, what did it do? It filled in the cracks and the grooves. It filled in the imperfections and the deficiencies found in the wood. In short, it atoned for the wood. It sealed up the wood. And just as the pitch sealed and atoned for the imperfections and deficiencies in the wood of the ark, it, the Bible makes it clear. Do you know what the blood of Jesus Christ does? It covers our sins. It atones for our imperfections and deficiencies as well. I thought of, um, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, that is so cool. Like, only God could come up with this stuff. And as I was thinking about that concept of being sealed, being atoned for, I, my brain just kept coming back to Ephesians 1. And Paul said this. He says, listen, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed the message about Jesus Christ. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Gosh, I love this, you guys. And as believers, this is such a powerful statement that points to the work of Jesus in our lives. The blood of Christ himself became our covering, our seal, our atonement, under which we are always kept safe and secure. Isn't that beautiful? I love that, you guys. The third word, the third word picture that I just, I just want to point out, a snapshot that I want to give you. I actually want to turn to the New Testament and say what it says about Noah. So we're going to get away from Genesis for just a moment, but the third word I want to share is the word faith. Faith. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says about Noah. He says, Noah was warned by God about things that he could not yet see. He's explaining, like, you're going to have you build this ark, but you have no idea what this flood is going to look like. He's warning him about things he could not yet see. But he had faith and respect for God. So he built a large boat to save his family. And with his faith, Noah showed that the world was wrong. And he became one of those who are made right with God through faith. Guys, Noah understood what hard times were. He, he knew what it was to feel alone. He understood rejection and ridicule. He knew the pain of watching those you care about turn away from the truth and follow lies. And yet through it all, he kept going. He remained faithful. He had faith in his God and followed through with obedience. I love reading stories in the Bible and trying to imagine, and I can't even imagine how much Noah must have been ridiculed through the years of building the ark. And we're not talking like a couple years here. I've read so many different ideas of how long it might have taken. Scholars have, I've put it in the range of, it could have taken 50 to 120 years to build this thing. That's a long time. So to put up with ridicule and questions and mockery for that long, 
And then here's another thing. The ark wasn't even built near water or an ocean, which must have seemed even more ridiculous to those watching. But even so, Noah stayed true. He stayed the course. He remained faithful, completing the task. Trusting God, you guys, having faith in God was not, and it's still not. It's not an easy thing to do. It's really not. But having faith for Noah, man, it reaped great reward and blessing, not just for him, but for his whole family. We too, we've got to have faith to be saved. Noah's life of faith in God shows us the necessity of placing our faith not in ourselves or even in this world, but in Christ alone, who is the gift of God. I always come back to Ephesians 2. This is such a foundational truth, you guys, that's found in Ephesians 2. It says, for you are saved by grace through, what's it say? Faith. And this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. Here's another interesting thought. Here's the way my brain works. Here's another interesting thought. Who closed the door when it was actually time to enter the ark? Do you guys know? Let's find out in Genesis 7. It says, pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then, what's it say? The Lord shut him in. It was the Lord who did the work of sealing the boat, closing the door, and shutting them in. We can read this story and think, man, that Noah was saved by the ark that he built, that it was the work of his own hands. I know it's easy to see that. In short, you could read this and say, Noah was saved by works. I look at this and I kind of disagree. God saw the faith of Noah, but whose plan was it? It was God's plan. God gave Noah the detailed plans on how to build the ark. God told them when it was time to enter the ark. God was the one who sealed them in. So let me ask you again, who really did the work of salvation here? God did. Noah was not saved by works. He was saved by grace through faith, and he acted on that faith. Can I go back to that Ephesians 2, that foundational passage? I'm just going to add one more verse. It says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourself. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. And, and I, would, I would argue, you guys, today, if you think you can earn your salvation with good works, if you think you can say, look at all that I've done, I'm basically, I'm, I'm a better person than I am a bad person, right? If you think that's going to be good enough, I'm here to tell you it's not. If you think you can say, look at the ark that I built with your life, it's not going to work. And let me remind you that the ark was God's idea, not Noah's. It was God's plan, not Noah's. God shut them in and sealed the door, not Noah. The parallel here, you guys is that we have to place our trust in the vessel, the plan that God had all along, and we just have to trust it and have the faith to say, okay, I'm trusting your plan, Lord, and I'll agree to that plan. I'm, I'm in. I will walk through that door. That's faith. 
story continues with the rains pelting down, the floodwaters start to rise, the earth has never seen anything like this before. For 40 days and nights, it says, the rain poured down, water covered the earth. Everything was destroyed. It says this, we're going to pick it up in Genesis 7. The flood continued for 40 days on the earth. The water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water surged and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Then the water surged even higher on the earth, and all the high mountains were under the whole, uh, under the whole sky were covered. And the water surged on the earth 150 days. Now, if you do the math and you take these 150 days and you add on the 40 days where it rained, you've now been stuck on this ark for 190 days. Now, imagine how Noah and his family must have felt by day 100. Endless days of bobbing on the water, peeking out the peepholes and seeing absolutely nothing in sight but water. Nothing. I don't know about you, but my hope is going to start to waver. And I might be wondering, okay, now, now what? What do we do? Did, did, did God forget us? Are we going to starve on this boat? You know, I'll confess to you guys that in the last couple of weeks, I've wrestled, I've just been wrestling with some feelings of, the best word I can sum it up is blah. But really, when I dig down, when I drill down, it really comes to, like, I've just been wrestling with feelings of hopelessness lately. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't have a wrestle with depression or anything, but I have been feeling just a little bit more depressed lately. And just, ugh, kind of bleak. I mean, to look around at what's happening in the world and not feel a little bit dismayed. And, and, you know, as I, as I looked at Noah this week, there's this part of me that connected with Noah, and, you know, on a small level. Of course, there's no cataclysmic flood, but on a small level, right? I began to wonder those same things that I bet Noah wondered. Like, did, did God forget us? Does God even still care? Is God even here? And as I thought about this week, I have a feeling that there's some of you even here today or watching online and you're like, yeah, I feel that. I can relate. And so we had, where, where, I need some hope. Where can I find some hope? And then I love this. When we flip the page to Genesis chapter 8, we come across this powerful yet often overlooked verse because we read it so fast. And for some of you, guys, this might be the one thing that you need to hear today. It says this in verse Genesis 8.1, but God did not forget about Noah. Now just, just pause there, okay, and just let that sink in for a minute. Just dwell on that. But God did not forget about Noah. It says, God, what? Remembered him and all the animals that were with him in the boat. God made a wind. Look at a fresh wind. 
Hope is going to start to rise. God made a wind blow over the earth and all the water began to disappear. You know, the, the fourth, that fourth word that I just, I just want to start to close on and, and think on, that fourth picture is the word hope. God didn't forget about Noah. He remembered. He didn't leave them out on their own to fend for themselves in the midst of the storm. He was still with them. He cared and he was faithful to bring them through. I think many of us, right, just from the school of hard knocks, we've learned, right, that God doesn't stop the storms from happening around us. He just doesn't sometimes. There's always going to be seasons in life where you feel like you are up to your neck in water. Am I right? There are still hard things that we've got to walk through. But that's where faith comes in. But he does promise this. He is with us and he remembers us always. You know how I can still cling to that, that promise? Because Jesus, years later, gave the same promise to his followers in Matthew 28. What did he say? Jesus gathered the people that loved him and he said, listen, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is a promise you can rely on. You are not alone. He remembers you constantly. He knows your name. He knows your ways. And even through the fiercest storm, right, the highest floodwaters, the deepest waters you might face, you guys, he's got a plan. And he will not abandon you. We can trust in him. As I wrestled, you know, as I, as I wrestled with just some, some depressing feelings these last couple weeks, watching what's happening in the world, feeling bleak, there are two things that just kind of rose to the surface in my mind as, as, I, as I went back and I read this story again and again and again. And I just, I'm going to close with these two things that just kind of surfaced for me. First, I, I had this, this gut feeling, a little bit of urgency to say, make sure you are in Christ. Don't leave here unsure. Be sure. Just as Noah was found to be in the ark, man, we too, we need to make sure we are in Christ. Guys, he is our vessel of salvation. Don't get caught and swept away in the flood of this world. There's no hope there. There's no hope. There's only hope found in being in Christ. You know, the Bible is really clear in relating the events of Noah's day. I found this fascinating with the days before Jesus is going to come back. People were busy doing their thing and they were totally unaware of their need for God and eternal destiny. They weren't ready. They were caught off guard. And even Jesus himself talked about this. You need to be ready. Listen to what he said in Matthew 24. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. The Son of Man, that was a title that Jesus had for himself. For in those days before the flood, back then, they were doing what? They were eating, they were drinking, they were getting married. Until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. 
That's Jesus giving a preemptive warning here. God desires, you guys, for each one of us to know him, to come to him through faith in Christ. He longs to draw us to himself. He loves every single one of us. If you're here today and you think, I'm not lovable, you're wrong. Jesus Christ is mad about you. He is crazy about you. And he wants nothing more than for you to come to him, to come and be in Christ. He doesn't want anyone to turn away, not even the most hardened heart. But because he provided a way for us to be saved, guess what? He's also given us an option. He's given us a choice. You have the choice. You've got to make the choice to walk through that door or not. That's on you. But I would encourage you, if you're not sure, if you're in Christ, can I just make sure you leave here knowing that you're in Christ. Hey man, if you have questions about that, please come down here after the service. Talk with me. Talk with one of the prayer team members. I would love to talk with you about that. You know, the second thing that, that as I read through this again, that just kind of allowed some hope to surface was this picture of, of the dove that brought back an olive leaf. It says this in Genesis 8. Okay, now Noah at this point, they've been bobbing in the water. He's, first he sends out a raven to try and see if it could find some dry land. Just flew around and then it came back. Then he sent out a dove and the dove did the same thing. Flew around, couldn't find a place to land and it came back. And it says this in verse 10, Genesis 8. So Noah waited seven more days and sent out the dove from the ark again. Now when the dove came to him at evening, there was a plucked olive leaf in its beak. Now just pause there. Can you imagine the relief and the hope and the peace that started to find its way into Noah's heart when he brought that dove back into the ark and noticed that, that, that leaf in its beak? Can you imagine that? I mean, that leaf, you guys, symbolized so much for Noah. It symbolized hope for sure. And it's also a symbol of peace. It was, it was supposed to be a symbol of peace between God and us. And I find it fascinating that later on in Scripture, Jesus is given a title. Do you know what it is? The Prince of what? Prince of Peace. Jesus is our peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And through him, man, we have the peace that, that passes all of our understanding. Ephesians 2.13 says it this way. But now in Christ, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. Talking about Jesus. You know, as I was just thinking about this imagery, I, I love the way that scripture words it. It, 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 it. I have this picture, and I probably even have like pictures of paintings from my childhood, growing up in church, of Noah, right? standing there, reaching his hand out, get this picture, right? And it says that the dove came and rested on his hand and then he brought it back into the ark. And I, I, wanna, I, want, you, I want you to see that picture and I want you to get that picture in your head. 
Because that was such a moment of hope for Noah to reach out and to bring the dove in and to see that leaf in its beak and go, hope. Hope. And you guys can laugh at me. You might think this is cheesy and corny, but that's the picture I've had all week when I've been feeling just blah and blah and, and, and hopeless. I've just kind of mentally... I just close my eyes and I, I kind of just put my hand out and it's just, God, I just, would you let your peace just rest on me? And then I, I actually have the picture of him putting it right there and that, that concept of bringing it in. Like the dove. Letting, just bringing it right in and just look right into my heart, you guys. And it's okay, you can laugh at me if you think that's corny. Man, it has done so much good for my heart these last couple weeks. And I, I just wonder if, if for some of you, that's just what you need this morning. You, you just, you need to know in these days that feel dark and drab and dreary, maybe the best thing you need this morning is to just kind of posture yourself and say, God, would you just let that peace rest on me? And then you just, you bring it in. Let it fill your heart. So I just, I, can, can, I just want to pray for you guys. Can I, can I just pray for us as I close? And I want you to have that picture. Lord, thank you for the picture. Thank you for the pictures that we see in Noah's Ark. Thank you that it all points to Jesus. And Lord, as we picture Noah, right, reaching out for that dove and bringing him in. And he glimpses that leaf and it just goes, oh, the relief. He felt the peace, the hope that he felt. Lord, I, could I just humbly ask and, and selfishly ask, we need some of that this morning. So Lord, for those of us in this room or watching online, we just... We just we posture ourselves and we put our hand out to you and say, Lord, I, I need you. I need your peace. Would you let your peace just rest on me this morning? May it fill my heart and give me hope. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we do indeed have in Jesus Christ. As we go out into this week, Lord, I just pray we could be even peacemakers and hope bringers to those in our world. Help us to do that because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray and I ask all these things in your son's powerful name, in the name of Jesus. 